0: of um, worshiping together, learning together, and sharing Jesus in a very, very dark place. And we just want to share a few of those experiences with you this morning. Good morning.
1: Um, As we were preparing for this trip, um, one, I didn't know these ladies beforehand. There's a lot of people at Legacy I didn't know beforehand. Um, And it was really beautiful to see, first of all, before this trip, how God's hand was on it before it was a trip, that as we began to connect with each other and hear each other's stories before we ever got to Patia, um, we were seeing some trends in the things that that God was doing in our hearts. And the overall theme that we came up with for the trip and our experiences with each other was with the idea of togetherness, that we can't rescue each other, and we can't rescue every girl in Patia, um, but we can show up, and we can walk alongside people and with them through um, the hardness. And so the next slide is a scripture that was kind of the, the, the theme scripture for this, which I can't actually read on the back screen, but... Go for it, Jill. Okay?
0: <laughs> it says...
1: Um, and really, we could never have done or been privileged to partake in anything we did um, if it weren't for the faithfulness of Don and Judy Stinnett. Um, as much as it's nice to be able to think that you might get to come in and save the day, that's not what happened. It was coming alongside some really beautiful things that God was already doing through other people. Um, and we just got privileged to come alongside them for that journey. Um, They are so faithful. Um, We were so, so very honored to get to do that. They simply saw where there were needs in Patia, and they just went and they took care of it, and there wasn't a big campaign for it, and there weren't a whole lot of flashy resources. Like, multiple nights, Don stayed up till 3 in the morning making flashcards so that we could go teach English somewhere. And they just said, this is where God's planted us, and we are going to be ever so faithful, so um, we were so blessed to build relationships within our team, and then with Don and Judy, and we had so much fun, there was so much laughter, there were tears, um, the, the whole deal, but the, the main thing that I wanted to share about this morning was the part of our journey where we were um, ministering in the bars of Patia, and when I say bars, what I mean is brothels. Um, Patia is the sex tourism capital of the world. Men and probably women flock there from everywhere for one purpose. Out of the approximately 1 million residents, there are 125,000 sex workers, some of whom are there because they chose to be, some who were there because their parents sold them into it. And in Patia, if we'll go on to, um, I think, the, ne- uh, the next slide... Um, we'll see in a second there's some pictures where there's just street after street after street of hundreds of bars and they have really really filthy names and they're not they're not hiding what they're there for they're not pretending that they're there just to sell drinks they're there to sell girls and in some cases boys and in some cases children and we saw the gamut of all of that in different moments and it was so incredibly heartbreaking. And I've never been so mad in my life as walking down the street and seeing hordes of men hunting. Like you could just sense that they are, these girls are prey. They are objects. And, and it's right out in front of us. It's, they're not trying to hide what they're doing. We all know why they're there. And you think they should, I can't believe they're not even ashamed of it. Not that that would make it better, but, um, and you realize this is what happens when we let sin take hold. Like that's what happens when um, it goes unchecked because it's so insidious and it destroys families and it destroys people. Um, and so we were just sad and angry and frustrated and it's so easy to think, what could I possibly do? How can we fix this problem where, and there are 125,000 girls in this city that have been forced into or for whatever reason had to choose a life I'm sure they did not dream of when they were little girls. Um, And so part of what we did as a team, our job was to go bar hopping. So in the afternoons, and we ordered, like, tea and Sprite. It's fine, guys. We would um, go from bar to bar. um, As Judy felt led, she was so discerning in in deciding where should we go, who should we talk to. And our jobs there were to, um, it was just to get to know some of these girls, and it's easy to think they are prostitutes, it's like they're women with names and stories and children um, and hopes and dreams, and so we would go and just begin to have conversations and get to know them and ask them about their lives and what they care about, and I was a little nervous about it because I thought, are they just going to, are they just going to roll their eyes and think, you sweet, precious little Westerners, what do you possibly know about my pain and my struggle? Um, And that was not our experience with any of them. And maybe somebody felt that way. Um, But by and large, I was blown away by the fact that everyone was very open and very, very receptive. And when we would talk about um, just ourselves individually, talking about them, or when we were really talking about the gospel, they were incredibly open and they wanted to hear about it. And I think they felt safe and seen um, as people instead of seen as a Sexual commodity for someone else's pleasure, and we had so many moments. And like in these pictures up here, with some incredible, incredible, resilient women, who were so hungry for the gospel and were so uh, ready to receive it. One of the things within um, within Thai Buddhism is the system of karma, and one of the tenets is that you have what you have in this particular life because this is what you deserve. So most of the way these women grew up was under a system that said, you deserve to be a whore. You deserve to be used. Um, If there's a wealthy rich man, he must be really good. He deserves that. Um, And so when we were talking to these girls and the idea that there is a God that loves them, that they don't have to earn his love, that they are valued and made in his image, and that Jesus took care of it on the cross. They don't have to work for it and earn it and give so much money or go to so many temples um, that they could come as they are was something that they most, a lot of them really had never heard of it before. And um, there's the sweet girl in the corner with the glasses um, named Moon, who when Jill and I were chatting with her, she looked at me and just went, let me be honest, I believe you about 30% when we were talking about the gospel and she's like, we, I have gone to temple my whole life. I'm a Buddhist. Everyone's a Buddhist. And, um, but she wanted to hear more and she even looked at, um, she looked at Jill and said, I can see it in your face. There's something different there. I think something like there's peace and there's love there. Um, it's like you, you, you hope that people will see that in you and you hope that you'll convey the love of Jesus that way. Um, but we were, um, blown away by the reception of these girls that wanted more, that were so hungry, that didn't just turn us down. I mean, if somebody came up to me on the street and was like, can I talk to you about Jesus? As a Christian, I might be like, oh, what are they going to say? Like, um, And we went up to these girls, and they were so hungry, and they wanted so much, and they are in the middle of horrific situations um, that I am thankful I can't even imagine what they go through nightly. Um, many of those girls have AIDS. Uh, we were told by one of our friends there, who is now thankfully off of the streets, that before she got off the streets, um, there were days she had to sleep with 30 men a day. And I cannot imagine the physical or emotional or spiritual toll that having gone through that kind of um, abuse could do. But then this is now a woman who is standing strong and going to help rescue her friends, um, out of that same life. And so we were we're really excited for what God's doing in Patia. And there's not as much of a Christian presence as I would have expected. I was sort of thinking there's probably all kinds of ministries there, and I'm sure then there are some. Um, But there's also like a very faithful few. And right there in the middle of the bar district where it's just street after street after street of hundreds of bars and brothels, um was the Tamar Center, is the place that we're, we partner with over there, that has programs to get girls off the streets with counseling and vocational training, um, child care, and they have a cafe. and like they have, they have lots of resources to help these girls. They do free English classes and they have a salon um, for the girls who are working the streets and also to teach them job skills. And but it's right there in the middle of the street, where everything else is going on, there's this little this little beacon of light, and it's just one, but it's doing um, so much. And it was just really humbling for us to um, that God let us be a part of what He was doing there. Because again, this wasn't us sweeping in and saving the day. And I have a savior complex, and I want to do that. I want to save everybody. I want a cape and a mask, but we got to witness, we got to plant some seeds and water some seeds and harvest some crops because so much other faithful work was so consistently being done. Um, I think back on the previous slide, and don't worry about going backwards, there was um, a word in Greek next to my name, and that's parakaleo, and that is the Greek for encouragement in scripture. And when you break down what that word means, it means to come alongside and to call forth that we're not the team that's there day in and day out. We're not going to be the ones walking with these girls every day for the next however many years. But we were able to come alongside Don and Judy and to come alongside them and hopefully call forth some truth that they either forgot or never knew about themselves. And um, getting to be a part of that and seeing the very real-time fruit of that was really incredible. So now I'm going to pass it on to my friend, Jordan. (laughs)
2: Um, I actually was, this was my second year in Thailand. Um, I was blessed to go last year as well. Um, And it's interesting uh, for me, just having the experience of kind of relating the differences between last year and this year. Um, Definitely last year was more, I would say, surface level for me. And I mean, it was, it was very good still, but um, I think spiritually, I didn't have the capacity for much more at that point in my life. So it was just kind of overwhelming, but in a good way. And like, God's doing awesome things. Cool. This is great. Um, but this year was really, like, I'm in a much better spot spiritually. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jill. Um, and um, so it was really, like, rooted rooted, and centered around more of just, like, these deep connections with individuals Um, There was not much shallow. There was even, like, within our team, like, we just, everything was so intentional, and we were so, even, like, last year stuff we would have done that was uh, more touristy type stuff. This year, it was like, okay, we're going to do the touristy thing, but we're going to stop every so often, and we're going to pray for a specific person, or we're going to, you know, pray for this ministry, whatever, and, like, it was very, very, I get goosebumps still thinking about it, but it was so very spirit-led, and that's when, Things happen and change happens, and it's powerful, and it was very, very cool and humbling to be a part of. Um, I specifically wanted to talk about three individual women and um, how they almost represent kind of uh, different steps in Christianity. Um, Kind of like we have the baby phase where we're brand new, and then kind of where. Um, You get a little bit more mature, but then there's this, you know, temptations come again, and and life happens, and it's hard, and so you have to make this decision. Am I going to keep following, or am I going to fall away? And then, you know, you get even more mature beyond that, and you're, like, flourishing and thriving, and, you know, God's got you, and you know it, and it's beautiful. So I want to talk about um, those three things, um, kind of how these three women exhibited that. Um, The first woman I'm going to talk about, her name is Goy. And um, we were really blessed to experience uh, right in front of our eyes kind of this um, transformative experience for her. Um, One of the Bible studies that's located right in the middle of the, um, you know, red light district in Patia, we were having Bible study upstairs and downstairs it's a salon so whoever can come in off the streets and get their hair done. Well, a girl came in and... Um, I guess something terrible had happened the night before in the bar and she knew that Tamar was there and probably also wanted a haircut. So kill two birds with one stone and so she just came in and was like, look, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Uh, and so the women that were down there called over to the main campus of Tamar and was like, hey, we have this girl. Do we have room for her? And they said, absolutely, right away. So basically after that, we were having Bible study upstairs. So then she comes upstairs and Bible study was almost over at that point. So at that point, um, everybody just circled around her. We laid hands on her, and we prayed for her. And it was such a sweet time of just, like, pouring into this one individual girl and the, the, you know, the decision that she was making because it was huge. So it was very powerful and very spirit-led again. And then after that, Bible study was over. So we all kind of went downstairs and walked outside Oh, and then, um, so because of her lifestyle, I mean, they, their job is to flaunt what they have. Right. So, um, she's wearing this little, like kind of a tube top type thing and like a mini skirt. Um, it was pretty revealing. We, I mean, we didn't care, whatever, but she being around us, she felt, um, like she wanted to be more respectful and yeah, she felt self-conscious about it. And so she kind of was, you know, kind of trying to hide herself a little bit. So one of the, um, other girls that was there doing ministry from another's I don't know. Yeah, she's from Holland or somewhere. She actually had a, had an undershirt. So she took off her T-shirt and gave it to the girl so she would feel more comfortable. So she had a, a t- And you can see, yeah, in that picture, her T-shirt and her little skirt. Um, but yeah, it was very sweet. But so then after that, um, we were all downstairs outside and we literally watched her walk back over to the bar that she's worked at for however many years, grab all of her things, turn away from that, And walk the other direction towards Tamar and that's when that picture was taken because I mean I was like in tears I'm like really we're watching this happen right now and it was in front of all these I mean because the bars open at like 9 a.m. I don't know so there's a bunch of action going on there's everybody's working and they people watched her grab like a backpack and a garbage bag and whatever else she had all of her belongings and walked towards a new life and just like visually it was beautiful and it's a perfect picture of like This is why, um, I'm not going to say we do what we do because we're only there for a short time, but this is why these ministries do what they do. This is why Don and Judy do what they do because it matters and because it's important. And like that one life makes so much of a difference. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. And I was just so grateful that we got to be there to witness it. And I'm hopeful that, um, through these ministries that Goy is going to continue to flourish and just, um, become a beautiful follower of Jesus. Um, so the next person I'm going to talk about is the middle picture, Sky, um, the one that's wearing the apron. Um, we got to know her last year. I got to know her last year. Was she here the year, the year before? Okay, so last year she was, like, new. So um, she was actually, last year was, like, thriving beautifully, seemed to be doing really well. Um, they sent her into what they call discipleship training so that she can you know, go on and train others and um, basically help rescue other girls. Um, and I think she had not, I don't think she finished her high school education yet. So they had said they were going to send her back to school so that she could finish her schooling. Well, like, you know, normal, she gets back into kind of the world and away from her community and starts being tempted to fall fall away and fall back into that old lifestyle old friends are reaching out and, you know, different people that are like, oh, hey, don't you want to come and do this? Um, And so she was struggling quite a bit and kind of having to work through um, one, like being dishonest with Tamar workers and having to deal with kind of repercussions there. And then like, okay, Sky, you have to make a choice. You know, no one's stopping you. You can go back to that life. But is that really what you want? And is that what's best for you? Um, and like, you know, Tamar has been here and you know, God's got you and you have so many sisters like the girl in the picture with her. She's a beautiful example of that and just has really poured into her life. And, um, she's a beautiful success story because she has her own business now, um, and is, you know, in the process of rescuing other women on the daily. But anyways, um, I actually felt personally, um, convicted to reach out to Sky personally because I felt like I could relate to her, um, and just yeah, how, but in the way that like is so common to a lot of us where we're on the right path and we're doing well and then we get tripped up and then we're like, I don't know. I don't know if I still want to go that way. Like God make me believe it, you know? And so, um, I just, I did, I reached out to her and I wrote her a letter and had Judy translate it into Thai. And I just said, I get your struggle, and I love you, and like I know you're gonna choose to go the right way, and that um, you're not gonna leave the protection that you have here. Like, really, you're not gonna do that. So, um, but it was just really cool to, it was cool and hard to see kind of that that struggle, you know, because you don't really want to, you know, flaunt the the bad stuff, but it's reality, you know, that is life. And when these girls live their lives a certain way, and then, you know, people come in and completely transform that, or God comes in and completely transforms that. It's so hard to tell yourself day in and day out, like, you know, it's hard not to go back to that. It's hard not to fall back into the old ways and old habits. So, but again, I have seen pictures on Facebook and stuff, so I think she's still at Tamar and still trying to do what's right, and they've kind of um, taken her down a couple notches, if you will, and kind of making her do more of, like, the basic stuff where she's not so much, um, going out because obviously, you know, there's so much temptation there and she's not strong enough yet. Um, but it was really cool to be a part of that and to feel, um, personally convicted to reach out to her and just like encourage her and tell her like, I, I get it and I know it's hard, but I know you can do it and it's worth it. So, um, the last, um, girl I'm going to talk about, her name is Ya. She's the one in the group picture with us. Um, she is a, a beautiful success story of what happens when you go through this whole process of coming off the streets and growing more mature and staying with it and staying faithful and steady um, and really just flourishing in your relationship with Christ. And um, she, uh, she's been through a lot, everything you can possibly imagine. Um, but when she was a baby Christian and kind of was in this uh, decision point, she kind of challenged God and she was brand new at Tamar and she was, she had three kids that were, were they there yet? I think they were there. Yeah. Cause they were there at Tamar and she basically was challenging God and was like, you know what, if you're real, show up and feed me. Cause like literally she was just about starving. Um, and, and God showed up in the faces of Don and Judy Stinnett when they came to Tamar for their weekly Bible study and brought dinner And so it's just, that to me was so beautiful and so touching because she, um, yeah, felt the need to share her testimony with us. And that part just really stuck out to me that I was like, wow, like if you're, if you're wondering like, what's the point or, you know, people, why go to other countries and this and that, like Don and Judy feel specifically called to Thailand and the work that they're doing matters. And it's beautiful to play a small part. And like Natalie was saying, come alongside and be with them as they do that and, you know, encourage them. They need encouragement too. But it was just so cool how y'all shared that about just the way that God showed up through Don and Judy. And that's because they're faithfully living out the call that God has placed on their life. And so I just, I love being able to support them. And I love that our church supports them. And we really appreciate all the support we couldn't have gone without you guys. So we appreciate that. Um, but yeah, and now, yeah, because of, you know, Don and Judy taking that first initial, you know, she was like, okay, God, God must be real. He's literally feeding me right now. That's what I asked for. And so now she's soaring beautifully. I mean, she's just like a, a beautiful beacon of light and hope in Jesus. And it's really powerful and it's awesome. And, um, I am just super grateful to have been able to go again. Uh, I was a little apprehensive the first year, one because I was struggling with a lot in my personal life, and then two because um, I'm a feeler, I'm an empath, and so when it comes to you know I, I like working with kids and all these other things, but when it comes to working with these women who are trapped in sex trafficking, I'm like that's heavy. Like I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, you know. Take that on, basically, because I will. And um, after I made the decision to go, I was having a conversation with Don about that struggle, and he just kind of looked at me, and you know, he's Don, so he's like, he's like, you don't know if you can handle it. He's like, these girls, that's their life; they don't have a choice. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. So it really just put things into perspective for me. Like, um, it's a pleasure that I get to go and share in their struggle and just tell them, like. I don't know your life, but like, I feel your pain right now. And like, I love you and God loves you and there's hope. So thank you.
0: Okay. The next slide says Tammy, but Tammy couldn't make it this morning. So I'm going to do Tammy. <laughs> so one of the girls, Tammy's of course, blonde in the middle picture, she's hugging, um, one of the girls that we celebrated with at the birthday party, but the top, left picture, the girl with the dark black hair and black and white dress. Uh, We met her last year in the hair salon that uh, Jordan pointed out a few minutes ago Uh, The girl that was standing behind Sky and hugging her, she came off the streets 20 years ago and lived and then worked at Tamar until last year when she finally moved away and opened her own salon, hair salon, in another part of the Bar District so that there's a light of Tamar somewhere else besides just on the one Soy 6, Street 6. So she's in a different part of the Red Light District and has a hair salon, and every Tuesday night she opens her salon up for a Bible study, and they have a lot of girls come in. And the gal up there, P. May, uh, has been coming since last year, and I remember her from the study last year. She cried the whole time. One of the girls came to Christ last year, and she was really touched Well, this year, it was her birthday, so we went to the salon and celebrated her birthday with her on the Tuesday night Bible study, and it just thrilled her. And you could just see the transformation even from last year, but she had yet to receive Christ. Well, since we left, she had joined a class to learn more about baptism, and she has been baptized. So P. May is now a follower of Christ. So the work is ongoing. When the girls, I know, when the girls come off the street, Tamar trains them to do something else. The hair is just one thing. They can learn to work in the cafe coffee shop that Tamar owns or they can learn to make the jewelry or the scarves, all the beautiful products that they produce. So the girls get to choose where they want to work and what they want to learn to do. And Tamar tries to help them then at some point move out on their own, start their own business, that kind of thing. So we were really blessed to see her again. Um, The thing that I want to close out with, you know, we're talking a lot about the the bar situation and I'm actually going to go to something else for a moment and then I'm going to come back to the bar situation because this year there were so many incredible stories we've not had time this morning to tell you all of them but I do want to end today with one other one but in addition to the times we spend you know out on the streets ministering to the girls loving them hoping that they'll listen to us share Jesus with them the time that we spend encouraging the girls that have come off the street, the time that we spend encouraging the workers at Tamar, that's a big part of what we do. But Don and Judy have such a great reputation in Pattaya and have networked beautifully. And so they're, because of that, they have opportunities in a place where it's 99% Buddhist – and of the 100% that's not Buddhist, it's only 1% Christian. So we're talking not influence. They're not being invited to do the things they're invited to do because they're Christians. They're invited to do the things they do because they're respected in the community. And respect in, in Thailand is, like, huge. So one of the things they get invited to do every year is teach English in the high schools. Now, these are the government you know, high schools. They're not Christian high schools. And every year that I've been, which is this was my third year, we've gone into one or two schools and taught English. It's fascinating. These kids know that we're there in the name of Jesus. They know that we are a part of a ministry, but that's not what we're there doing. We're just serving them and helping them understand the English language. Another thing that we do is minister to the refugees' children and to the refugees themselves. These refugees come from Cambodia or um Bur- Burma, other places around the border of Thailand, and it's a little different than here. They they're at the border looking for work, and they're picked up by large companies who want to build resorts or whatever in Thailand. And they jump into the back of the truck because they're promised work, they're promised money, they're promised a place to live. They bring them four or five, six hours into Thailand, where they take their papers and they put them in these horrific living conditions. I mean, I don't know if we have pictures of. They're not of that, but um, it doesn't matter. Just understand they're horrific, Um, where they literally have latrines. Think about uh, the, the M.A.S.H., Okay, the mass units, the the show from our childhood, right? That is kind of, they're living not even in tents. They're living in these ten things, and the latrines are muddy and awful. But we go and we minister to the children. We love on the children and do like a little VBS thing, sharing Jesus with them. We sing songs about our mighty God and about Jesus with these little children, and they're so receptive. And then we also do health clinics where we go back in the evening when their parents or their siblings have come back from work because they send them to work at the age of 12. And so when they get back from work, we do like a health clinic, and we're talking just over-the-counter things, like Tylenol. These people have no health care, zero. They can die in that camp, and nobody other than their own people will care. They just bury them off in a field somewhere. So these people need pain help. They have worms. They have their cough, cold, flu dehydration is huge because the water is filthy. Um, So there's a, and we can't help all the problems, but we can help a few. So we go and once again, we love on them for an hour and a half. We smile at them. We show them we care and we give them what we have. And that's all that we can do. And we pray for them. So those are some of the other things that we do along with the, the bar situation. But I know we need to close up our time. So I want to end with a story about one of the girls you saw at the beginning, Mew. And there were several pictures back at the beginning of us with her in the bar and praying with her. And that's the one that told uh, Natalie she believed 30%. <laughs> Well, she wanted to become friends with us on Facebook. So this is one amen, hallelujah, good thing about Facebook, okay? So she and I became uh, friends on Messenger so we could communicate. And she does speak English well enough, although it's, her communications are rather funny. But a few days after we left, we had said goodbye to her and her friend who was also in the picture. And we left. And a few days later, Judy went back promising us that she would go back and see how they were doing and see if that 30% had changed to 50 because we helped her download a Thai Bible. And she's promised that she would read it. Well, she was not there anymore. The bar was not even open, and Judy asked around to see if she could find the girl, and she couldn't. And um, at the same time, I'm communicating with Mew on Messenger, and I said to Mew, where are you? Judy can't find you. And she said to me, I left Pattaya. I went back to northern Thailand with my children. Now, she left there because of the interaction she'd had with us and with Judy, and wanted something different, had no money. But that's when I sent out that message. One message, one message, Legacy Christian Church, is all I did. Posted one message that this girl had left the bar on faith and had nothing. And our body of believers within 18 hours, I think, had said, I'll give 10, I'll give 20, I'll give 5, I'll give 50. And we had raised almost $700 for this woman. Now that in Thailand is almost six months of her salary. At the bar, so she now has money that she can find a place to live, get established in Northern Thailand. And since that time, she has accepted Jesus Christ. Judy sent her a Thai Bible and uh, a book written in Thai about growing in the Christian faith. Um, connected her with a church. This church has come to her and taken her to a small group meeting. Also. Uh, She has gone to church with her children, her 15-year-old son and her 8-year-old daughter. And when she went to church, her 15-year-old son said to her, Mom, you need to convert to this religion. And she looked at him and said, I already have. And now he is reading the word with her and seeking in. Okay, so final amazing thing is that she got a job last week at Lotus, which is like a big Walmart-type store. So talk about a success story. I mean, this girl, when we were there, was willing to listen, willing to be loved on, but only believed 30%, you know, and now she is a faithful follower of Christ. And I want to read you two communications I had with her because it will just show you, um, if you don't mind, indulge me. Yes, thank you. It's just too cute. So Judy had sent me a um, message that said, um, she is so eager to learn I feel in my heart that she will be an ex- A good example to the Thai people I will share with you more about my conversation Here with her home And then that's when she told me By the way her son 14 told her to convert After attending the service And he's already thinking about it too And then when Mu communicated with me She sends me all these precious pictures She sent me a picture of the Bible She sent me a picture of the of the book, Judy Center, but here's what she said. Now, her English is not good. I trust in the Jesus to not greedy and not fear and be the tree that grow in the good dirt and trust everything Jesus that give us. Trust the glory of the Jesus and trust that Jesus will give the good thing. I'm sorry my English is not good. I have more, but I can't tell you because I'm not good in English. But then she sent me a picture of her son. And I know you can't see this, but she's in the foreground. Her son's in the hammock in the back reading the Bible to her. And she said, my son will help. Wow. I know. So we obviously can't tell you about the whole trip, but I hope we've shed a light a little bit. And thank you for letting us go over two minutes. We love you so much. And thanks for supporting us.